and all of this will be and is available online as it is produced. Well, we're going to talk about the days of creation and the key word there being days. When you think of the idea of a day, you think in regard to a 24-hour period of time. That would be correct, okay? Listen carefully. We're gonna get into some theories that have been promulgated by Christians who don't really trust the Bible or the power of God, and that's really a troubling thing. Remember from the get-go, we emphasized in this class the supernatural nature of the book of Genesis. You cannot take that away. Uh, that means that we're not particularly worried about what modern science says today. By the way, what they say today, they'll change tomorrow. Okay, And we've already hit the idea of, of uh, geology, uniformitarianism, that said everything we see today is the result of a process of millions of years of time, normal processes today. We argue with that because what is clear is the Genesis flood was a catastrophic global event that fundamentally changed the structure of the, the topography of the earth. Okay, we, we don't doubt that. Well, a number of geologists came to the conclusion that, uh, that uniformitarianism is unacceptable as a doctrine to explain all of the things that we see in the world today. So they came up with something uh, called the Lesser Dryer Period, which is now an ancient period of time that they promote with the idea that, and that one, what are you doing? Okay, don't mess with me. The, uh, <laughs> the ancient, uh, ancient uh, pardon me, the Lesser Dryer Theory which actually does teach a catastrophic event in, for those geologists in the very distant past that is shockingly similar to the flood of Noah. Isn't that interesting? So we'll, we'll see more of this when we get to Noah's flood. But uh, look at your introduction. Well, look, look at the Bible first. The Bible says in uh, chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Look, if you will, at the introduction. <laughs> the account of God's creation of earth as we now know it. Those are very key words, as we now know it, because God created the heaven and the earth, I personally lean toward the idea that there was a, a judgment, we'll get into that more, the judgment of Satan's fall, then the earth became without form and void, and then God is taking the same earth that he flooded with water, the waters upon which the Spirit of God moved, he is taking the same earth, and he is beginning creation of the world as we know it. Now listen carefully. It is not heresy, it is not an error to believe that the physical dirt and the rocks are older than creation. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. They're older than the six days. They have to be, because none of the six days ever says God created the heaven and the earth on day one. It never says that. Well, Pastor Monty, that's, that's always what I learned in Sunday school. You might have to set aside that for a moment and really look at the text of the Bible, okay? The Bible is clear. The heaven and the earth were created and then began the creation week. So, uh, continuing on, God's creative work comprised six literal 24-hour days. Now, I am unmovable on that. I will prove that from the text of the Bible. That is not an opinion. 
That is something that is very important that you hold to if you're a Bible believer, that the days that are listed in creation are six literal 24-hour days. There is no compromise with that. There is no uh, playing around with that. And we'll demonstrate that again from the text of Scripture. Taking the Bible literally leaves no room for the day-age theory, the belief that each day of creation represents epochs of time. And we'll get into that. Uh, that is something that is promoted in a, a theory known as theistic evolution. We'll be talking about that after a while, uh, because you will find that in different places. The day-age theory is an accommodation to theistic evolution. It is completely outside the purview of biblical literalism. On each of the six days, God created specific things. It is as much an affront to the biblical text to add to the biblical text as it is to take away from it. Let God be true to his word. And again, we're basing this solely on the Bible. So when we run into something we don't understand or when we run into something that is odd, or when we run into something that comes into conflict with current popular science, which is changing all the time. When we run into any of those things, we're going to take the Word of God for what it says. You say, Pastor Mania, could you explain all of that? No. No, I can't explain it. But do you know what? When we get to heaven, this Bible class will be just a small sliver of what we're going to have up in heaven. We're going to learn an awful lot. And I kind of hope it's in video format because that would be spectacular to watch all of these things. And, and, uh, and, and, and I'll guarantee you this, what we're getting in our class, what we're getting in the Bible is just a small snapshot of everything that God has done, okay? And that's, that's the marvel of this. But God gives this to us as a basis for our belief, okay? Introductory considerations. These are taken from Arnold Fruchtenbaum. I want to thank you, by the way, uh, if I may, for being so interested that many of you have purchased the commentary on Genesis by Fruchtenbaum. If you have an interest in this and you want to dig deeply, I highly recommend that commentary. Now, having said that, it is a commentary, so it's not inspired scripture, uh, but he has a brilliant mind. I have read, I would say, most of what he has written and find him to be a very accurate, very careful, and very biblical scholar. So if you want a good basis for this uh, and you want more information, I would recommend him at this section at the very least. Okay, um, six, six literal days. 24-hour days. Why? A. Patterns within the text, both Hebrew and English, very crystal clear, indicate clear boundaries separating the six days from anything that went before. Some seek to expand the boundaries to include things not mentioned as created on a specific day. For example, many theorize that the heaven and the earth were created on the first day. The Bible simply does not state that. It doesn't state first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. It doesn't say that. So when you try to cram the creation of the heaven and earth into one of those days, you are saying something that, frankly, the Bible does not say. Um, it, that would be a theory. <coughs> it doesn't say that. Others theorize that the angels were either created on the first day or on the third day. Again, the Bible does not say that. In fact, the Bible is clear that neither the heaven and the earth nor the angels were created within the specific six-day time frame. Okay, we're not adding 
to God's word. So we know that there's a heaven and an earth. We know from the book of Job that there is already an angelic host that witnessed the creation of the heaven and the earth. So they were prior to the creation of the heaven and the earth. We know that the earth became or was without form and void. We understand when the words form and void are joined together in the Hebrew every other time in the Old Testament, it speaks of God's judgment for some reason or another. We could theorize that that judgment came as a result of Satan's fall. That would be a reasonable theory, but notice how I'm wording what I'm saying. I'm not being dogmatic about that, but that's as good a place as any to put the fall of Satan, because we know by Genesis chapter 3, Satan had already fallen, so it's a good place uh, to put that. But uh, the, the six days, each of the six days follows a very specific pattern, and I've given to you in the English, the pattern is even more clear in the Hebrew. Now, why would there be a pattern? I, I could use the word formula. Why would there be a formula for the days? Because that sets a boundary around what God created in that day, and it emphasizes 24 hours. You cannot get around this, folks. You cannot get around this. Now, if you're one of those people that says, well, you know, I, I think it was theistic evolution that God guided the process of evolution and boom, here we are, but somehow in his sovereignty he guided that over thousands and millions of years of time. If you're one of those people, um, you say, well, you know, Pastor Monty, the only reason I do that, I'm not trying to destroy the Bible, but I'm trying to preserve the Bible by saying that Genesis 1 through 11 is somehow mythological or, or it's symbolic. It's symbolic. And I want you to listen. More damage is done by people who decide to take selective portions of the scripture and interpret them symbolically than in any other way. And well, pastor, they're just, you know, they're, they're looking at modern science and they're wanting to be uh, relatable to people and they're wanting to not be in conflict with modern science. Please, please hear me. When you deny what the Bible plainly says, you undermine the authority of Scripture. And the Bible is our only rule of practice for faith. Our authority comes from the Bible. When you undermine the Bible by making it sound symbolic where it is not. By the way, and, 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 and God, I'll use a human term, God falls all over himself to make sure we don't miss this in the first chapter of Genesis. When you try to turn that into something symbolic, you undermine the authority of Scripture, and in doing that, you undermine the Christian faith. You don't help the cause. So years ago, <clears throat> I was telling some of this uh, theological liberalism, and Pastor Monty, those liberals, they just don't believe the Bible. They're destroying Christianity. Did you know that theological liberalism was not invented to destroy Christianity? It was invented to save Christianity. Huh? Save it from what? So a lot of theologians came to the conclusion when they adopted Darwinian evolution. They came to the conclusion that the Bible is indefensible, and so they said this, we must preserve the ethical teachings of Jesus for the sake of our society, but we must separate ourselves from belief in all of the supernatural parts of the Bible. The miracles of Jesus, for example. Well, you know, Jesus was a great moral teacher, but those miracles, that's an overstatement. Okay, when they did this, they did it because they thought that they needed to appeal to the, quote, reason 
of modern man, they had to capitulate to the current most popular th uh, theory, Darwinian evolution. And by the way, Darwinianism it went into every other realm of study and discipline academically. It infested every realm of study and discipline. And, and, they, had to, and they thought the only way we can keep the church going in the modern age is to say, yeah, you know, we don't believe all of those miracles and all that supernatural stuff. We don't believe in that, but, but we do believe it has something to teach us. Here's what they said. It's just symbolic. When you do that, you take every ounce of authority away from the pages of the Bible. And you do not preserve Christianity, you destroy Christianity. Example, the virgin birth of Christ. That is a miracle. It is unheard of, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. If you deny that, then Christ is no longer God. He can no longer be your savior. The blood atonement means nothing and the crucifixion was a tragedy and not salvation. Does everybody follow what I'm saying here? You will undermine, you will gut the entire core of Christianity by not believing what the Bible says. So that's why I'm very adamant about this. Um, so if you, look at the, if you look at the patterns, each of the six days follows a specific pattern. Introduction. And God said. Six times, and God said. The reason for the pattern is to discuss the six literal days. It is to establish 24-hour periods. It is also to define what God did in that time period. So they begin with the words, and God said, then there is a fiat or a command, let there be, let there be, let there be. This is a formula, this is a pattern. Then there is the fulfillment, and there was. So, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Then there is a description, what God made. And then there is a naming or a blessing, and God called or blessed that. This is consistent in all six days of creation. And then there is an evaluation. God saw that it was good. And then there is the terminus or the conclusion. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And, and on and on it goes. That is, a, that is a very clear pattern that I don't feel like I have the right to violate. Okay, so I can't add something to the first day. Pastor Money, what did God create on the first day? Light. Well, now, wait a minute. The sun and, and all that, that wasn't, that wasn't created till later. I think the sun was, but not in its purpose. God created the heaven and the earth. There was a light source, and then later God enlightened those things. Okay, we'll get into that more a little bit later. But clearly there is a light source. Yes, Rob? A light what? Light be. Yes, let there be light. Light be. And by the way, when we, that's good, Rob, when we, light be. Okay, that's an interesting, that's an interesting uh, thought. That's an interesting thought. Light be, all of creation, okay, God either spoke it into existence, light be, or it was formed. Well, how was man formed, for example? Man was formed by the dust of the ground, but... It uses a particular word, the word created, that means only something God can do. In relationship to animal life, it uses the same word created, only something that God can do. So when we talk about this, the Hebrew, by the way, is very, very helpful because it is very precise. But that was a good comment, Rob. Uh, look at the days delineated. The days of creation solve the problem 
of without form and void in 1, 2. Uh, chapter 1, verse 2, days of division solve the problem without form. Now, now look at this, because this is another pattern. By the way, if you get, and I, because of how long it would take me to go through this, I can't possibly point out all of the patterns in the, the book of Genesis. For example, the use of the number seven and its multipliers, the book of Genesis is replete with that. So if you want a good summary of that, you'll buy Fruchtenbaum. But it, it demonstrates from the Hebrew text that this book was not just something, oh, people told stories around a campfire, and then someone got the bright idea, we'd write it all down, and here it is today. Oh, no. It is a very careful, carefully planned literary work that comes by divine inspiration. Yes, ma'am. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. I promise we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Promise. Um, there may be a reason, by the way, for pattern interruption, and we'll get into what that, what that means precisely. But the, the days follow a pattern. Okay, continuing on. Uh, the, the first days, we're going to call the first three days, days of division. That solved the problem without form. God divided uh, the light from the darkness. Okay, that assures us of 24 hours. It wasn't just a complete span of light. God divided the sky and the sea. God divided on day three the water from the land and created plant life. Okay, those things are days of division. Why? Because we're given a picture of the earth without form and void completely covered with water. And then on the day one of creation, we have light, and then as it continues on, we have these other things that are dividing, okay? Why would you divide? Because if you have a planet only covered by water, the only thing that could make it would be the fish, okay? So God said, no, I have bigger plans than a gigantic cosmic uh, aquarium. I have bigger plans than that. And so there, there was division. Why, why was this? To take the words without form and void and make it habitable, listen carefully, ultimately for man, for man. Pastor Monty, what, what, how, how in the world does, why is that important? Because one of the jobs of all human beings, and that job continues to this day, is that mankind would have dominion over the earth. Any religion that teaches worship of the earth has made man subservient to the earth. And that is not the purpose of man. Now, now, I said religion, because there are some. We've got to worship the Mother Earth Goddess, you know, and dance around around a campfire and look like hippies. We're going to do that for a while, okay? There's that, but let me say this. There's also a philosophy of extreme environmentalism that says that the earth is more important than human life and that human beings are actually destroying the earth. Now, now listen carefully. We are to be stewards of God's creation, but we are called to have dominion. Those two things are very important. As a steward of God's creation, I don't throw a bunch of trash everywhere, okay? Because by the way, it's dirty and redneck and white trash, and it's not classy, you know, and, and deposit your trash the way you ought to, okay? Be a, be a decent human being. You don't have to live like an animal, okay? Now deposit your trash as you are. But at the same time, I know that some things that we do in our world are for the good of mankind. How many of you like electricity? 
I do. How many of you like fossil fuels? I do. One of the, one of the grand resources that God gave us. And do you know why God gave us resources within the earth? So that we would exploit those resources for the good of mankind. Extreme environmentalism, including Bill Gates, would have the world's population to become sustainable, reduced to around 500 million people. If you think about approximately 8 billion people on the globe, that's a lot of funerals to make the earth sustainable. Now now look, well, Pastor Monty, you know, they've done all the math and it's just not sustainable. It is sustainable until Jesus Christ comes again. Okay, you understand that. And a Bible believer, I have no fear about this environmental stuff because a Bible believer knows this. My mother, she got uh, saved and, and uh, we were from non-Christian backgrounds, so we didn't know much of anything. And, and uh, someone, someone came to the house and had a petition one day and, and they said they wanted my mom to sign it. I think it was something about water or something or save the whale, something like that. And my mom's answer, though, she didn't know much. She said, I'm not worried about that because Jesus is coming again before we ever have to worry about that. Well, amen. That was biblically astute, even though she didn't really understand everything that she was saying, <laughs> saying at the time. So the days of division took the problem without form form, and made the earth form. Why? Because the earth was made, being made habitable for man. The days of decoration solved the problem of void. The word void means emptiness, okay? It can carry an idea even of confused emptiness. Well, what happened? God created lights in the firmament. On day five, God created the fowl and the fish. And on day six, God created animals and man. Why? Man to have dominion. And by the way, again, the Bible is so clear on this. Not just dominion over the earth, but over the animals of the earth. Okay, so again, this flies in the face of anyone worshiping an animal. If you worship an idol that is in the shape of an animal, you have subjugated yourself. You have abandoned your position of dominion. Now, I want to get a little theological with you for a moment. Anytime you worship anyone or anything other than the creator God, you are voluntarily surrendering your dominion to Satan. That's absolutely what you're doing. You're being, well, Pastor Monty, we should be more pluralistic and we should just include everybody. No, 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 no. You have given up your dominion when you do that. And you voluntarily submitted your dominion to Satan. And that, that is a very troubling thing. By the way, if you look at the Old Testament, idolatry is the big problem. Okay, it's the big sin. If you want, if you, Pastor Monty, what's the worst sin in the entire Bible? Idolatry. Worshiping any other God. Because the Lord thy God is a jealous God. Oh, but I don't like those words. That makes God sound like he's jealous. God has a right to be. Because he alone is God. And not only are you supplanting God in his position, listen carefully, but you are thwarting his created purpose. Any philosophy that thwarts the created purpose of God is not of God. And it is not optional for Christians. Later on, when we get into Adam and Eve, that is God's plan. Any other philosophy, well, Pastor, you've just got to get with it, the culture. I I don't care about the culture. I don't throw God's plan out because that is playing directly into the hand of Satan himself. 
And if you love God and you believe the Bible and you just want to be a good Christian, you don't want to play into his hand. And that's, that's very problematic. So um, those, that, those two day, the day divisions, the first three days and the next three days, they solve the problem without form and void. But there's another pattern. There's another pattern. The days are correlated, okay? The first day, dealing with light and darkness, correlates to the fourth day, lights in the firmament. It's neat to see these patterns because they are intentional. The fifth, if you look at the, the second day, the sky and the sea, that correlates to the fifth day, the fish and the fowl. Everything about that? That's kind of cool, right? And then, uh, then the third day, land and plants, correlates to the sixth day, animals and man. Does everyone see a pattern there? There's, there is depth in the scripture that we miss when we just go across the surface of it. And I appreciate Bible scholars that help us with that. Okay, how do we find defined day? And I'm going to ask um, if someone would hand these out for me. So, would you hand these out, Travis? Because we're going we're gonna to cover a little bit of ground today. How do we define day? It is the Hebrew word yom, yom. Whenever the Hebrew word for day is used in Genesis 1, it is used with a number, the first day, the second day, the third day, etc. When used with a number, the Hebrew word day always and without exception means 24 hours. Now, immediately, those who want to imagine that a day could actually comprise many days, they will make appeal to certain portions of scripture that use the word yom, meaning a time period, okay? So for example, one of the prophetic motifs of the Old Testament is the day of the Lord. We know that's not just one day, that that is actually a prophetic time period, still future to our day. We know that that's a time period. But, but here's the catch. Whenever the word day is modified by a number or a specific modifier, it always and without exception speak of 24 hours. So you can't, here's what happens so much, in, 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 and I, I hate this, but people gloss over the details. How do I know what God is getting at? By comparing how words are used in the Bible. Okay, so, so for example... The English word plug. Plug. Well, Pastor Monty, everybody knows what plug is. Plug is when you plug up a leak. Well, you just used it as a verb, right? Well, no, 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 Pastor Monty, everyone knows what a plug is. Plug is when you, when you plug in electrical socket. And the plug is the electrical socket. It's the plug, okay? No, wait a minute. No, no, Pastor Monty, it's, it's not that. Well, what is a plug? Okay, there are so many definitions in English for the word plug, that you need to understand the context of the word so that you know what, what is being said. And this to us is very easy because we grew up with plugging in the toaster, okay? Or we found a plug, or some of you chew a plug of tobacco, okay? And, and you, you know what we're talking about, okay? If, someone's, if someone chews and, and, and the buddy wants them, he says, hey, give me a plug, okay? They're not gonna hand you a spark plug, Okay, Do you, does everyone follow what I'm saying? That word, for us, we know the multiple meanings that it can have, right? And so it comes naturally to us. A, a non-English speaker, like I'll use the example Hyoman, Hyoman, our friend in Korea, the non-English speaker, he was continually confused when I would use vocabulary 
in a way he was unfamiliar with, okay? When I would, not just expressions, when I said one time, you know, so-and-so's gonna take till the cows come home. What cows, preacher? Do we have cows? <laughs> Where are the cows? You know, uh, it's not just the phraseology, but it can be the word itself. So how do I figure out the word's meaning in inspired scripture? Here's how we do it. By comparing the scripture and saying, okay, God uses this word this way, this word this way, this is consistent. So when we argue the word yam to mean a 24-hour day, we do so because of the consistency of applying a numerical modifier to that Hebrew word always and without exception in our, in our Old Testament means a numerical day. But, but there's more, but there's more. The phrase evening and morning limits the word day to 24 hours. Boom. Why in the world? Couldn't God have just said day one and that's good enough? No, no. Because there would be egghead theologians in our day and time who would determine that it, no, it's got to be a long period of time. And so God says, I'm going to make this clear to the dumbest. Now, by the way, the re, the re, it doesn't stop people, folks. It doesn't stop people, but it, but it helps us to defend our position, right? Uh, that it is one day, evening and morning. You, you simply cannot get around that. And the repetition of that over and over again is demonstrative of what he is saying, literal 24-hour days. Number three, here's a great reason why it has to be a day. The Sabbath law given to Moses is based on the six days of creation with God resting on the seventh. He rested on the seventh. We call the seventh day Saturday, uh, and he rested on the seventh. This law would be meaningless if the days were anything but 24-hour days. How could it even be commemorative? It could not. Now, having said that, having said that, I want you to listen carefully. Another thing we look at is how did people to whom the Bible was written, how did they understand it? because their time period is closer than ours. And so their understanding of what is being said is very, very important. And when Moses established the Sabbath day law and did it based upon the six days of creation, no one misunderstood what he was getting at. It is the universal teaching of Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox Jews that there's no misunderstanding here regarding the days of creation. Now, there are some liberal Jewish groups, for example, Reformed Judaism, that has taken the route of, of, uh, of uh, uh, neo-Orthodoxy. And so they're, oh, it could all be symbolic. It doesn't mean anything, blah, blah, blah. So if you go looking online for Jewish sources, you're going to find a thousand different ideas. But if you go back to the very ultra-conservative, they all agreed and by the way, no one had a problem with that until a scientist did. And I want to say this to you. You either believe in God or you don't. When you put God into the equation, you don't have to worry about all the other. Does everyone follow me on that? Well, Pastor Monty, God had to do, God did not have to do. God could speak anything, ex nihilo. He could speak it into existence, okay? And then the fourth point, the fourth day mentions days, years, signs, and seasons, okay? Um, indicating that normal system of time is in operation. These terms become meaningless if day is not a normal 24-hour day. Now, I'm running out of time. I, you've got your lesson for next week. I'm going to get into it next week because of time, for the sake of time. I don't want to miss anything. But here, here's what I'm saying so that we are very, very clear. 
Six literal 24-hour days. The things God created on those days were created in their completion, okay? God didn't create babies and throw them in the Garden of Eden. He, he didn't do that, okay? They were created, and, and, so was, and we'll get into this more later. Oh, Pastor Monty, if God created things with the appearance of age, that's deceptive. And to that I say, you are crazy, there's no deception in regard to that, okay? God, there, there's no purposeful deception. Adam had a good idea that he was the first in line. No doubt in my mind about it. But we'll get into that more detail next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, looking at your word with more depth. We marvel at it. And Lord, we have, we have only scratched the surface here. Bless, I pray, as we continue to study. In Jesus' name, amen.